Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning and welcome to SNC-Lavalin's first quarter 2020 earnings conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and 0. I would now like to turn the conference over to Denise Jasmine, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining the call. These are very difficult and uncertain times for all of us, and I very much hope that you and your family are safe and well. I do appreciate you taking the time to listen in today. Our Q1 earnings announcement was released this morning, and we have posted a corresponding slide presentation on the investors section of our website. The recording of today's call and webcast will also be available on our website within 24 hours. With me today are Ian Edwards, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Jeff Bell, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Before we begin, I would like to ask everyone to limit themselves to one or two questions to ensure that all analysts have an opportunity to participate. You are welcome to return to the queue for any follow-up questions. I would like to draw your attention to slide two. Comments made on today's call may contain forward-looking information. This information, by its nature, is subject to risk and uncertainties, and as such, actual results may differ materially from the views expressed today. For further information on these risks and uncertainties, please consult the company's relevant filings on CEDAR. These documents are also available on our website. And now I'll pass the call over to Ian Edwards. Ian? Thanks, Denise. Uh, thank you all for joining us, and I hope you're all managing well through the current situation and uh, working safely. Please turn to slide four. Before we walk through the first quarter, I want to make two points considering the unprecedented nature of the current situation and the company's evolution over the course of the last year. Firstly, the pandemic. We have moved quickly to safeguard our people, business, and financial flexibility. Secondly, Solid results today for Q1 that demonstrate that our new strategic direction is proving effective even in the current backdrop. The reshaping of our organization remains on track. We have a diversified business across engineering services in essential sectors such as infrastructure, transport, and nuclear with key skills that are in demand. Most of all, our employees have shared the same mindset and approach. I'd like to thank all our employees for this and their continued resilience and the innovation shown on a daily basis. I'm very proud to lead this organization. If you would turn to slide five, I'd like to outline the COVID-19 impacts on our business and the actions taken. Our number one priority remains the health and well-being of all our employees. In the main, our physical projects are deemed essential services. So our infrastructure services operations and maintenance, and nuclear work continues. Our real estate projects continue 
with a couple of exceptions. More than 30,000 people in our professional services moved to fully working remotely very quickly, and we've retained all our capabilities. In a very short space of time, we've moved from dealing with the immediate effects of safety and business resilience factors to being able to offer innovative and value expertise directly to government in tackling COVID-19. We've won contracts to support governments managing projects related to COVID-19, and we're using logistics, field, and project management expertise to help deliver responsive health facilities in both Canada and the UK. We were a first mover in taking actions to secure our financial standing. Our liquidity remains strong, and we believe we have financial flexibility to deal with the impacts of COVID-19. With our role as the economy restarts already beginning, we will be at the forefront of this alongside our government clients. Infrastructure planning and engineering will be key to stimulating economies and adjusting to new ways of living, and we have key capabilities here. I'll walk you through how this looks for each sector in more detail. But first, if you, slide, if you turn to slide six, we've delivered a solid Q1. Revenue is up for engineering services, excluding capital. This business remains the future of the organization and continues to deliver a strong EBIT. The project's backlog is progressing well, and it's reassuring that the infrastructure EPC contributed a small segment EBIT and resources projects are now only 10% of the LSTK backlog left. Crucially, we enter Q2 with a strong financial position. I'll let Jeff talk in more detail later on the full Q1 and our liquidity and financial flexibility. I'll now talk about each part of the business, starting with EDPM on slide seven. In Q1, the core EDPM business in the UK, the US and Canada continued to perform well. We did experience impacts in Asia, Pacific's, Asia Pacific and the Middle East as COVID hit these regions earlier. Business winning in Q1 remained active with a number of transportation and infrastructure wins across the world. As a key part of our future growth in engineering services, EDPM is driving our digital future strategy. Across the organization, our investment in digital technologies and ways of working has proven valuable through the current situation, and the insights we can provide clients by harnessing data will form the next generation of our projects. If you turn, please, to slide eight, for EDPM in Q2, remote working was swift and included nearly all employees, so our productivity rates are stable, although we do expect to see revenue reduce in Q2 due to the current uncertainties. We're actively supporting governments in our core geographies, and we are winning business in every region. Our government and client relationships are key as COVID-19 restrictions are gradually lifted, and we are ready and will be there to support governments as crucial projects and infrastructure are put in place to ensure a positive recovery. Nothing changes in our strategy for EDPM. Our focus is on having our capabilities active now and ready to grow as the recovery starts. We are seeing many opportunities for expansion in core services. 
including cybersecurity, defense, innovative housing solutions across the regions. On slide nine, we'll look at nuclear. This is a great business and our position is enviable. In nuclear, we have a strong global position and our work here proves to be resilient. In Q1, we won a number of diversified contracts across decommissioning, cleanup, and a framework agreement to support an existing nuclear fleet. We are focused on partnerships and being a leader in technology for our clients, alongside enhancing our own operational excellence to ensure we grow and build on a strong market position. Let's go to slide 10, and I'll talk more on opportunities in COVID. Nuclear has generally been deemed an essential service in our key geographies. And where there is some natural slowdown with COVID, the demand for nuclear services remains strong. Already in Q2, we have delivered the Darlington Unit 2 refurbishment, and this is part of our refurbishment work running through to 2026. We have a number of new opportunities across our diversified nuclear business. And in our core geographies of the US, the UK, and Canada, we are seeing multiple small-medium reactor projects requiring ongoing support. Our nuclear business is resilient, continues to deliver, and is positioned for growth. Please turn to slide 11. Infrastructure services continues to be successful and gives us an important presence in the North American infrastructure and transportation markets. Such services in these markets are key to the ongoing transformation of our company, and the contracts in this area can often run for multiple decades as we operate and maintain facilities. Additionally, our infrastructure services business has a number of differentiated offerings in niche markets around the world. Linkson has expanded in geographic reach, and our leading district cooling business, alongside facility and program management services, continues to grow organically in the MENA region. We are develop, developing our project integrator model, and this is where we will take our major project expertise and bring them to our clients as an integrated project and portfolio management service. Moving to slide 12, and how we're able to react quickly to the current climate with infrastructure services. Our infrastructure services business has already seen new business in directly supporting the efforts to tackle COVID-19. We have a JV that is providing mobile health facilities to the Canadian government, and we are working in the pharmaceutical space to adjust production facilities towards testing kits. As with our nuclear business, the physical sites that we provide services on are primarily deemed essential. We are continuing our provision of services to hospitals, transit, power plants, defense, and civil administration. Linkson has seen delays in contracts awards. However, we expect demand for power distribution to remain strong. This is simply a matter of timing. This is also the case for those projects where we're providing services to civil construction projects. We are standing with governments and across Canada and globally. We will be a champion of infrastructure, contributing our project integrator, project management, engineering services, and helping shape the social and transportation infrastructure solutions for the recovery. Finally, 
In engineering services on slide 13, we have capital. So first off, the temporary dip in 407 traffic has some fairly obvious impacts on both 407 dividend and the contingent sales fund. On our other concessions, we are not seeing a similar impact with the different contract types based on availability rather than end user demand. Our expertise in capital and the financing structure of major projects remains of value, particularly as governments may look to quickly finance and push through large projects in the recovery. So let's look at slide 14 and the infrastructure LSTK projects. The controlled management of the infrastructure projects continues to progress well. And as noted earlier, these actually contributed a small positive EBIT in the quarter. Most of these projects continued, and where projects experience temporary suspensions, we've worked with our clients to minimize cost of both demobilizing and returning to work safely. It's worth also noting that on the REM project, engineering and planning work continued. In relation to COVID-19, we are well protected by contract clauses such as change of law and force majeure. And while there are obviously slower rates of progress on these projects, that remain open. We currently have not foreseen forecast completion dates move significantly, and we can continue to assess these with our clients. On slide 15, we will take a look at resources. We are now down to 300 million of backlog remaining for LSTKs in resources. And these projects are largely scheduled to complete this year. A swift action in the restructuring was to initiate withdrawal from the Valeris business. And we successfully completed that closure within Q1. Services within resources are under pressure and we are taking further actions to reduce cost. Please turn to slide 16. So as you've seen, the backlog of LSTK projects has been reduced by 20% this time last year. And we have additional project control measures in place, which further de-risks the remaining backlog. Of the remaining 2.9 billion, only 300 million remains in resources. And the majority of the infrastructure projects relate to light rail transit systems. If we move to slide 17, then we can see the phase out of these projects. From July 19 to the end of March 2020, we progressed half a billion of LSTK backlog. The resources element is now a minimal portion, and we're working with all our clients to maintain good visibility of the phasing out of each project. Nigel White's team remains very active in all these projects, and he's working closely with sector presidents and the project teams directly in ensuring tight management of schedule and delivery. Please turn to slide 18. The company is well positioned. We have moved rapidly to protect our employees, our business, and we have financial flexibility. We're able to maintain our services capability through this period, and we're already seeing new demand for our expertise as governments and clients address the pandemic itself and transition to the phase beyond. Our strategic direction remains on track and unchanged, and today's solid Q1 demonstrates our continued progress down this path. The fact that we have already been tested over the past year 
has played to our favor if we have been able to demonstrate our ability to be agile and responsive in changing circumstances. I'd like again to thank our employees for their resilience, collaboration, and positivity through this time. I'll now pass to Jeff for more detail on the Q1 financials. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Ian, and good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Before I begin, I'd like to draw your attention to a change that we have made in our terminology. To better reflect the company's new strategic direction and activities, we are now calling Engineering and Construction, or ENC, Professional Services and Project Management, or PS and PM. If you could turn to slide 20, I will firstly summarize the first quarter results. While total revenues fell 6% to $2.2 billion from the prior year, driven primarily by reduced revenue from SNCL projects as the LSTK backlog runs down, segment EBIT of $99 million was in line with the prior year, as growth in engineering services from strong nuclear and infrastructure performance and reduced losses in SNCL projects offset the reduction in capital from lower Highway 407 dividends. Engineering services EBIT margins rose slightly to 7.3%. Adjusted net income, after including higher SG&A costs compared to quarter one 2019 as a result of additional provisions and one-time reversals in the prior year, was $25.7 million, or $0.15 cents per share. On an IFRS basis, which included a fair value revaluation of the Highway 407 ETR contingent consideration receivable, of $50 million post-tax, the company had a net loss of $66 million, or $0.38 cents per share. Turning to slide 21, we saw SNCL Engineering Services, excluding capital, grow revenues, EBIT, and EBITDA year-on-year. -year. Revenue totaled $1.5 billion, an increase of 6.4%. EDPM segment revenue fell 3.9%, mainly due to shortfalls in the Middle East and the impact of COVID-19 in Asia-Pacific. This is more than offset by a 5.9% increase in nuclear segment revenues, which had a strong performance across its key markets, and a 49.8% increase in infrastructure services segment revenue, where our links on joint venture continued to expand its activities. Segment EBIT results year-on-year -year showed the resilience of the engineering services portfolio. EDPM segment EBIT margin fell to 6.1% compared to 8.2% in quarter one 2019, primarily due to lower gross margin from the fall in revenues just mentioned. However, the nuclear and infrastructure services segment EBIT increased in the first quarter to $37 million and $17 million respectively, with EBIT margins of 15.5% and 4.9%. These were driven by underlying growth in services and a non-repeat of a one-off charge in nuclear taken in quarter one 2019. Engineering services EBITDA increased 7% to $143 million. Capital segment EBIT fell $23 million from quarter one 2019 to $42 million as a result of lower dividends received from our reduced stake in the Highway 407 ETR. Turning now to SNCL projects on slide 22, Revenues for Q1 2020 decreased by 24% to $648 million, mainly due to the continuing backlog runoff of certain major LSTK construction projects and a reduction in services revenue and resources as business win rates have slowed. 
infrastructure EPC projects delivered a segment EBIT of $3.8 million, compared to a loss of $6 million in quarter one 2019, following solid delivery in the first quarter on key projects and limited impact of COVID-19. Resources recorded a negative segment EBIT of $58 million due to unfavorable LSTK project reforecasts and a cost base misaligned to the reduction in services revenue and backlog. Acceleration of cost reduction measures and business closures and or sales are underway. Turning to slide 23, cash flows from operating activities have significantly improved in the quarter, totaling 23 million in quarter one 2020, compared to a use of 249 million in the same period last year. SNCL Engineering Services, excluding capital, generated cash flow from operations of $142 million, an increase of 27% on the prior year, from strong EBIT conversion and working capital efficiencies and timing initiatives. SNCL projects continue to consume cash, with a cash outflow from operations of $152 million, although this was an improvement on the first quarter last year. On slide 24, the company's focus on improving financial flexibility and liquidity can be seen. At the end of the first quarter, the company had $2.1 billion of cash on hand and an additional billion dollars available to be drawn on the revolver credit facility. The company's debt profile and maturities are spread over the next four years, with $300 million maturing later this year. The net recourse debt to EBITDA ratio on the revolver credit facility calculated in accordance with the terms of the company's credit agreement was 2.3 times at the end of March, well below the required covenant level of 3.75 times. And finally on slide 25, as previously communicated, the 2020 financial outlook that was provided in the 2019 Q4 financial results press release is no longer valid due to the uncertainty created by the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and the company does not intend to provide any further outlook for 2020 at this time. This concludes my presentation. We can now open the line for questions. Thank you. Certainly. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. To join the question queue, please press star, then one now. Our first question comes from Chris Murray of AltaCorp Capital. Please go ahead. Thank you, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, just starting maybe thinking about the resources group and, and how to manage some of these losses on a go-forward basis. Um, I guess, you know, the question you, you, you talked a little bit in your script about accelerating um, some cost reductions or maybe some changes in the business. Can you elaborate a little bit on on the pace of what you think you're going to be able to do and, and you know, the magnitude of getting that to at least stop being as much of a drag as it's been for the last few quarters? Yeah, th thanks for the question on that. <clears throat> I mean, we, we, we said in, in, in our strategy going back that we, we look at all options with the resources business, and, and clearly um, – the uh, the resources sector is under pressure. I mean, there's volatility in the in the oil prices, we know, and there's COVID, and that brings also regional um, kind of stress within the, within the Middle East. So, yeah, we're absolutely thinking how we um, accelerate or or take measures 
to ensure that we minimize any losses within the whole of this business. I mean, it is in two components. We have the LSTK, which we're, we're working our way through. Um, we always uh, said that the LSTK portion um, didn't have any major kind of uh, elements in there of risk, such as uh, we experienced on the Cadelco, but it's not without risk. And, uh, and as you've seen, there's been uh, some project reforecasts, not of large magnitude over the last three quarters, but we're, we are getting through the backlog and we're down to, to 300 million there. And by the end of this calendar year, the, the backlog in the LSTK will be done. The remaining is a billion dollars of backlog in the, in the services sector, and clearly we, we have to fulfill the obligations there. Much lower risk activity, um, and, and we don't see any issues in running down uh, that backlog and running through that, that backlog. But the key issue for us is cost, and, and making sure that we, we, we get cost out uh, in, in, in line with the activity levels that we see, and, uh, and we're working on that. And what about, I mean, it might be a bit challenging, but I mean, you have talked previously about even divesting of, of the group. Is there any, any opportunity to look at something like that? Well, I think if, for sure, uh, we were looking hard at that. Uh, I, I think to be realistic in the current climate, um, it would be unlikely that we'd be able to divest the, the whole business. Um, there may be opportunities to divest parts of the business, that, uh, that have a, a, a specific benefit to, to, other, uh, to other potential purchasers. Um, and, and clearly we're looking at that, and clearly we're, 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 we're looking at, um, at, at those opportunities. Okay, fair enough. And then, you know, interesting commentary around your, your um, free cash flow and operating cash flows. Um, the fact that the, uh, the engineering services business seemed to be a pretty positive contributor, but then the whole projects business um, has been a bit of a drag, offsetting a lot of that. Um, the thought, though, I thought always was that the, on the on the whole, the LSTK projects should, as they wind down, um, contribute some cash flow. So it's a bit of a project cycle thing. Um, as these wind down, do you think that the cash flow drag uh, from projects uh, will either slow or reverse through the back half of the year? So let, let me pass this on, on to Jeff, but you, you're right in saying that what we expect is positive cash flow through the life of the project. And, and I think in the, in the last quarter, we were clear in saying that we would expect during the course of this calendar year um, to have a negative drag from projects, but over the life of the project to be positive. But let Jeff just expand on that, if you would, Jeff. Yeah, happy to. And and Ian, you 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 hit it right on the on the head. We absolutely said that over the life of these projects, we would expect them to be cash flow neutral to positive, but that they would be a drag on on operating cash flow here in 2020. Um, I think the other element you referred to was uh, we made the observation back at the end of February that in terms of our our view, you know, pre-COVID-19 and withdrawing our outlook that. You know, we saw operating cash flow overall for the group, so obviously with engineering services and projects being weighted to the back half of the year. Um, you know, clearly in the current environment we're in, uh, you know, it's extremely difficult to to quantify or estimate how exactly that's now going to, sh you know, shake out over, you know, the next two or three quarters, hence our, our withdrawing of the outlook. But, you know, certainly before that, 
on an overall basis, you know, weighted to the second half, absolutely, as you said. Okay, so the expectation is that, um, again, we have, we'll, have, we'll have to see how, how the performance of the business actually goes, but at this point, um, no real change in your thoughts around the, uh, the shape of cash flows. I think it's fair to say we'll have to see how it goes. I think that that shape and its absolute amounts will clearly be impacted by, you know, what happens, you know, as a result of COVID. All right. Fair enough. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Yuri Link of Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, wondering if you can provide a little more color on, on EDPM and the performance in the quarter. I was uh, a bit surprised by by the decline in, um, in, in EBITDA and EBIT. Um, I understand there was less FEMA work. Maybe you can quantify what that was and um, then just your, your expectations for how that business should perform uh, in the current quarter. Mm. Mm. So I think we'll, 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 myself and Jeff will, will, will give this some color. Let me go, let me go first. We, it is, our EDPM business does go through a, a, a cycle during the year. And for sure, the first half of the year and specifically the first quarter has always um, showed you know less uh, performance than the, the the back half of the year and and there's a few reasons for that but the one of the primary reasons for that is our, our business is, is is obviously quite strong in in the uk and is obviously also located in other jurisdictions where the the end of the the financial year is our first quarter so that the way that the work is awarded is in that the first quarter is like a bidding cycle and then it's that those get awarded in q2 the work is executed in q3 and q4 and, that, and it, you'll have probably seen that historically through through the numbers so that's that's one issue so our expectation was was much lower for this quarter than it would have been for q4 for example I mean, the second component is is really uh, actually around the Middle East and, uh, and 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 Asia. I mean, Asia Pacific, our downturn uh, in business there hit um, at the at the Chinese New Year. So basically, we had an impact through February and March, and and for sure we saw an impact in business in in March in the Middle East, and obviously. Um, Clients have also held back awards in the Middle East because of the, the whole volatility around the oil price. So, so primarily, the impact in, in that you see in Q1 is there. Going forward, we're, we're not concerned about the business um, other than our overall concern on, on COVID. Um, Jeff, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to add a little bit more to that or... Yeah, I mean, I think I'd I'd make two observations. I, I think you're absolutely right, Ian. Um, you know, the 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 decrease in revenue is in Asia Pacific and and the Middle East uh, for sure. And, and we've talked about the impact of COVID. And you know, I think there's no question that you know the the fall off we've seen and the challenging environment you know in the oil and gas you know world and obviously in that end of the world. Um, you know, does tend to have a knock-on impact to some of the infrastructure 
projects and civil engineering projects that EDPM, you know, does out there as well. And, you know, we saw some of that. And there was, uh, you know, as, as you pointed out, and we talk about in the MDNA, a fall in uh, our revenue from, uh, from FEMA in the U.S. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a massive number, um, but it's more, you know, the absence of that in the first quarter this year versus last year where you know, we had some work uh, related to, uh, to Hurricane Maria. The, the the Middle East and Asia would be what what percentage of of your EDPM revenue? Uh, it would be it's clearly it's a it's a minority of our our business. If uh, I'll, we can have a we can have a quick look, I haven't have, don't have the percentage right to hand, but it would you okay. know, it would be a minority. But it was it was definitely the the part that was impacted most dramatically, as you imagine. Although it's a you know, if I think of Asia Pacific overall for the group, you know, between our Hong Kong and Chinese offices, it's, you know, it's around one, one and a half percent. But of course, when you shut the offices down, all, you know, for a period of time, you know, then it has a, a more, a more dramatic effect, at least on the EDPM segment. I mean, I would also add uh, on the Asia Pacific business, it's, it's bounced back very quickly. I mean, our, our business is getting back to normal in Asia Pacific. Um, as you can see, we've, been awarded a, a you know fairly significant new contract in Macau, um, so we're actually seeing the recovery through uh, through our business there quickly as well. So, do you should we expect um, maybe a bit muted, but still the same seasonal uptick in in EBIT in EDPM for for Q2? It progressively uh, has an uptick through the course of the year, so. For sure. I mean, uh, you, you should see that that being repeated. The the only caveat I'd, I'd put on that is the the impact of COVID. Um, whilst we feel our business, particularly our EDPM business, which is primarily in the public sector, where 75% of our business comes out of the the, uh, the the governments that primarily we work for in Canada, the US, and the UK. Um, you know, we're not making any uh, kind of definitive statement about what we think the impact of, uh, of COVID is in the, through through the rest of this year. I mean, okay. And, and I think I think you, we 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 talked about the fact that, and you can see that in the press release as well that you know we are seeing you know through the you know the first month here of Q2, you know some fall off in in revenue in you know in the EDPM segment and in the engineering segment, um, you know, even though a lot of it is, is government backed, we are seeing, you know, some reduction. Okay. Thanks guys. Our next question comes from Frederick Bastian of Raymond James. Please go ahead. Thank you. I was just wondering on the uh, resources sector, how are you approaching services opportunities? I uh, appreciate right now there might not be a lot of opportunities to bid on, but um, is your strategy to still uh, pursue service opportunities in that particular sector? For sure. Um, and we were having success um, pre-COVID, uh, developing uh, our services offering to um, the major clients, uh, kind of government-sponsored clients in the Middle East and uh, in, in North America. But there has absolutely um, been a drop-off that we've seen 
um, during this uh, this crisis. Well, I mean, it, it's a it's a, it's a double impact, obviously, from from oil price volatility and and COVID. So for for us, our, you know, our, our concentration here is making sure that we adjust our cost base to um, match and accommodate uh, revenue fluctuations that we see within within that sector, and obviously burn off the uh, the LSTK as effectively and efficiently as possible. That, that that's the current focus right now. Right, but our margins. I mean, uh, the, the discussions around margins, going in margins, and all that stuff. Does that mean that are they adequate for you to say, okay, let's go with it, and and that's it's worth pursuing? Well, what we saw for sure pre pre COVID was, uh, yeah, adequate margins in the services sector of that business, you know, the, the 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 engineering and the and the professional services part of it. Um, we saw a good opportunity, but uh, like I say, I mean, uh, that's, that landscape is definitely changing now. Okay, thanks for that, Carla. Um, and now on the uh, infrastructure services, with the addition of Linkson, we get we get better um, better revenue, better margins. Is the performance that you uh, delivered in Q1 sort of a good run rate to go uh, to use on a go forward basis? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, links on and uh, the O and M part of the business and the, the 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 project management part that we're trying to grow um, within infrastructure services. I think what you see is is uh, is pretty much representative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'd I'd add, I'd add to that, Ian, that um, it's a it's a repeatable type of product that they they you know sell and install. Um, but I, you know, I'd make the observation they do that in, you know, a, a fair number of, you know, different geographies, you know, and some of their sites as part of local government restrictions, you know, have had to be suspended, you know, here into the second quarter because of that. So, again, I think in a, in a non-COVID world where, you know, there's no restrictions, I think what you saw in the first quarter, you know, is, is good representation. Um, we're going to see some impact here in Q2 for the fact that some of their sites have been, you know, suspended for for a period of time. Okay, thank you. That's helpful. Our next question comes from Maxim Sichev of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, quick question in terms of um, oil and gas uh, business. So. Uh, is it fair to assume that the services part of the business right now is also uh, generating a negative EBIT? Yeah, why don't I take that that one, Ian? Um, sure. Yeah, it is. Um, as Ian said, you know, it's it's primarily related to the cost base that we're carrying, which is you know why we're taking accelerating action on on you know reducing that and and realigning that. You know, we are to the you know to the to the extent we're bidding on new business, we are bidding on business, you know, with growth margin thresholds that we're comfortable with, but it's taking the sort of associated operating costs and overhead out as a, pause, as, as a part of that. But if you looked at resources overall in the first quarter, about half of that EBIT loss was related to services, you know, effectively because of, um, you know, the misalignment of the cost base, there's a bit of Valeris in there, and then the other half is related to projects. Right, and so, and and in your opinion, how long do you think it's going to take to, um, you know, see the revenue and kind of on costs get to the point where, uh, I mean, like at least it's break even, 
I mean, is, is this a number of uh, quarters, years? Uh, like, how should we think about this? Oh, sorry, I thought Jeffrey was going to answer that one. Um, we, we think we need, we're, we're acting quickly. I mean, I, I, we certainly undertook to act quickly around the Valerius and we've now closed that out. There are other components of the business that we're looking at very closely now. Um, I mean, it's an ongoing effort to, to, to ensure that we, we, we balance the, the backlog that we have and the, the revenues that flow through from the services side of this to the cost base. But we're, we're going at this, you know, really, really uh, actively. Um, and we'll be adjusting through Q2. Um, we'll, so we'll certainly be making quite a further adjustments through Q2 to, to get to a place, you know, as quick as we possibly can so that the, the cost base matches the revenues that we've got in the services business to get it to at least a break-even uh, perspective. I think Jeff's been dropped off the line um, but that, but that, but that's okay. Um, okay, and then uh, maybe because my next question was was really around uh, the non-cash working capital. Um, I, I don't know, Ian, if, if if you are comfortable to kind of comment on that. Uh, I mean, the fact that we had positive operating cash flow in Q1, which is, you know, historically, I mean, hasn't happened in years. So just trying yeah. to get b better better understanding in terms of the moving parts there. If, you know, there is some unusual items that that help you out i mean is is this di dynamic you know going to unwind in q2 just again trying to get a better sense in terms of you know yeah. how should be thinking about yeah. this yeah okay so i mean obviously everything we've tried every, everything we're, we're doing is to produce cash i mean operating cash flow and free cash flow i mean the whole strategy the way that we set the, the company up in the middle of last year um, the exit of the LFTK is because we know that our services business that now are in SNCL engineering services have historically produced good cash flows. And we also know that the LFTK has been very, very volatile. I, I think what you see is, um, as we're working through some of the LFTK, is a gradual stabilizing of that, but not a complete elimination of it. So there are some timing issues within uh, Q1 that you'll see from uh, the, the positive cash flow there. But in the main, it's an improved cash flow performance through the LSTK and some timing issues. And I think Jeff's back on the line there. Um, and I don't know, Jeff, if you got that question. It's really about the, you know, the, the cash flow positive, operating cash flow positivity that we saw, which is significantly better than, uh, than in the past in Q1. Yeah, and I, my apologies, my my line cut off there. Um, yeah, so year on year, it's a it's a combination both in projects. So projects, um, although still a cash drain and on an operating cash flow level in the first quarter, is better than last year, um, and that's partly a function of the fact that we have fewer ongoing projects, um, which helps from that perspective. And also, you know, we've been taking very, you know, proactive measures, um, you know, particularly in the in resources to ensure that, you know, we're we're more closely matching, you know, revenue receipts from customers with, you know, with um, with payments that are going out related to those projects. So, you know, that has helped, um, although clearly not completely eliminated the cat the operating cash flow drain on projects. 
And then on the engineering services business, which is a more naturally cash flow, operating cash flow generative business, again, we've been, you know, you know closely uh, monitoring that, closely managing that so that, you know, we would expect to hold on some of, to some of the efficiencies there. Um, but, you know, we are benefiting from some timing as well through the end of the quarter. So, you know, we will see some, you know, some reversal in, in, the, in the second quarter as a natural uh, result of that. Okay, and here you are making a reference specifically to the non-cash working capital, I presume, when you talk about yes, no. the timing of things. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. And and I, you know, the other thing I should say is that you know, there's a small amount in there around things like FX and you know those sorts of things. But um, you know, okay, the, uh, that's the general story. And we still have not received anything on the Champlain, right? No. No. Okay. Right. And and then last question. I just want to go back to uh, EDPM because, you know, mm -hmm. re revenue re revenue declined. Uh, you know, three percent year on year. Uh, that, but EBITDA is down twenty three percent year on year. So, I mean, there is there is mm. a pronounced, um, you know, n negative margin dynamic. So, I'm just curious mm. to see exactly uh, was there uh, an execution issue uh, th that arose? Because uh, again, like I mean, I obviously I appreciate the seasonality, but I mean, people look at these things year on year. So, I, I'm just yeah. a bit confused about about that mismatch between revenue and EBITDA drop off. So, so I mean, I'm glad you asked another question on EDPM because the, the one thing I think that we clearly this business has, you know, has it, it, it's very similar in its nature to to other uh, other peers in, in 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 the business, and and we feel that this our particular uh, EDPM is robust. Um, and there, there is absolutely, there's nothing underlying within the business other than its seasonality that has changed from the performance that we've seen in the past years, um, apart from COVID. And we particularly feel that our blend of customers and work, primarily being from the government sector, or government clients, public sector, um, at 75%, will we'll ensure that our business is robust. And I would further say that the majority of the revenues that, um, from this business is in Canada, the US, and the UK. I mean, clearly we've got North American revenues, Middle East, and Asia Pacific, but by far the majority comes out of, of three geographies. So the, 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 there's nothing underlying here. Now, what we have to do as we enter this crisis and we see revenues adjust is we've got to be really agile in adjusting the cost base of the business to match the, the adjustments in revenue. And we've taken numerous measures that we announced in our press, press release to undertake a menu, if you like, of, of how we would go about those, those cost measures. And, you know, they're, they're from general pay cuts, reduction of hours, furloughs, and where we don't see any business coming back, um, redundancies. Now, when we hit this crisis in Asia Pacific, um, and, and to some extent in the Middle East, we, we were probably slower than we would like to have been to make those adjustments. And you've seen some certainly uh, profitability uh, downside fr from that. And I, and I think that kind of gives you the whole story and, and where we're feeling about where we're moving from here um, into the year. But I, and I, and I, But I'd have to caveat, you know, everything by saying we don't really know what the impact on revenues will be in Q2 and Q3. We're, we're seeing work winning going going forward. We're, we're able to still win work. 
Um, the scenarios that we planned were, 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 were ahead of that. Um, so it's feeling pretty good, but I would just put an overrider on that. But uh, it's still yet to be seen. I, I, I guess the, the, the bottom line, so is it fair to say that, uh, you know, as, as you're making these adjustments on the cost side, that we should be still um, kind of an, in a typical engineering type margin, uh, even with, uh, obviously, I mean, everybody's projected revenue compressions. I mean, is this still something that's, that's what you're targeting? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think there's the, the other element I'd add to this. Obviously, is is that you know in the short term, obviously our you know our operating costs you know are broadly fixed, um, and you know what what you then see where you get you know a slowdown you know like in Asia Pacific or in in uh, you know in the Middle East, is that you know we that you you lose the gross margin um and broadly the gross margins you know we're realizing and targeting are are in line with our you know with our long term our long term guidance and aspirations there but of course you get a, a multiplying effect as that sort of you know moves down the pnl right okay that's it for me thank you very much thank you our next question comes from mona nazir of laurentian bank please go ahead Good morning, and thank you for taking my questions. Um, first of all, Jeff, congrats on your appointment. I'm just wondering, or I'm interested in hearing your view um, when it comes to the story from a fresh perspective. I understand that there's significant uncertainty on the back of COVID, um, but I'm just wondering where do your priorities lie, and if you could give a pecking order, you know, what's your goal, or what would you like to see occur within SNC, whether that's for 2020 and beyond? Um, well, for, first of all, thank you, um, and that's, uh, that's definitely a, a, a wide, ra wide ranging question. But I'll, I'll boil it down to, uh, to something fairly short. Um, you know, I, I'd have the, I'd have the following observations. You know, having come in, the first is, is that I think the strategy, you know, and our capability, and I've, I've only been here, you know, just under three months. I, you know, I think are very well aligned and. We're clearly going through, as everyone is, you know, the the current pandemic crisis. But my observation is one of the reasons I joined SNC is that I thought the you know the the, the excellent capability that that the business has, you know, is well aligned to the strategy going forward. I think my second observation is clearly there's a lot of transformation to be done, you know, including I think as a as a high priority, you know, uh, transforming the resources business. Um, and with a slightly longer burn rate, obviously running off the LSTK projects, both in resources, um, you know, and in Canada, which are mostly, you know, transit rail lines, and we have a lot of experience um, in all of that. And I think my my third observation is that, and and you'll, you'll continue to see us do that, uh, you know, a real focus on cash flow going forward, in addition to you know some of the other metrics we have, but you know, a real focus on cash going forward. And therefore, ultimately, as as we transform the business and move forward with uh, effectively the engineering services business, putting an appropriate capital allocation framework around that in terms of how we see the ability to invest free cash flow across investing in the business, returns to shareholders, and what's required for the balance sheet. But you know, all that all that will come down the road. Perfect. That's very helpful. 
And just lastly, in your prepared remarks, you touched on your heavily weighted public exposure, and we've seen some decline there. I'm just wondering if you could give some insight in regard to the discussions that you're having with your end customers, whether that be on the government side or the private side. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, we see that we see being uh, weighted in our EDPM business as, a, as an advantage. And the, the reason we, we think that is because we believe, uh, as in post crises, um, post uh, kind of uh, 2008 crisis, that the stimulus will come through investment and infrastructure. And the services that we offer, both in infrastructure services and in EDPM, are, are front end services. And, you know, the design, the inception, the, the, the working through the planning, the, the, the whole front end of development of infrastructure is, is what we do. And whilst it takes time to get that investment into physical construction, shovel ready, so to speak, um, actually exiting the construction part of our business as we have, um, we don't see that, that you know we'll, we'll, we'll have a, a greater impact because of that. And actually, we think we're really well placed um, in those businesses. So what we what we're actually doing is trying to be really proactive here um, to our clients and, uh, and and to governments, and and actually thinking through how do we help be a partner to get these projects so-called shovel ready as soon as possible to get jobs into the marketplace and, uh, and, and dollars into the economy. Um, and, and we think we're a good partner to do that because of our, uh, our, our range of capabilities. Perfect, that's very helpful. Thank you, that's it from me. Thank you. Our next question comes from Mark Neville of Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Hey, um, maybe if I can start with the EDPM, um, and maybe just I appreciate the comments around the business longer term, but maybe just thinking shorter term. Um, again, I understand there's typically a seasonal uptick from Q1, uh, but now you're layering on sort of COVID. Um, you're talking about, I think, some declines in Q2. And just, again, I appreciate you're not providing guides, but maybe just order ballpark order of magnitude sort of what to maybe expect for the next couple of quarters is so we're sort of all not way off base on that? Really difficult to, to, to be that, that, that precise. Um, really difficult. What I can say is that we are continuing to win work. Uh, we're, we're continuing to make adjustments to the cost base of the business if and where we see um, revenues uh, decline. We're in you know, the majority of our markets uh, are where we will see the type of work that we do strong, which is North, America, North Europe, the US, Canada, and, and the UK. There the, the will be some softening around the Middle East, um, but the Middle East is not a significant part of our, our, of our EDPM business. Um, and what's really encouraging is, is what we've seen in Asia Pacific and Australia in that the, the, it's back to business pretty quickly there, um, and the stimulus is coming through. I mean, in Hong Kong, they're, they're making a real effort to to get um, projects started and to get um, the business going again. But uh, but uh, we're, we're trying to be 
you know, almost um, deliberately open-minded as to and, and agile as to how this thing evolves. Because I, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how we could say it's going to be like this or, or like that. I mean, it's, you know, the business is back, not, you know, not back, the economy is not back to normal. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big impact. And I think it would be wrong for us to sort of be misleading and say it's going to be 10%, 20%, 30%, um, because we don't know. What I do know is that, we're resilient and having lived through a crisis for the past 18 months, I think it puts us in a good position to actually bolster the company ready for adjustments and a, and a crisis and being agile. Okay. Um, and again, I'll ask a similar type question, but I'll make it a, a similar type answer just around the margin and a 6% in Q1. If I'm understanding it correctly. You maybe you're a little slower to react in the cost side when um, the revenue dropped um, but you've taken pretty swift action across the business now so just again sort of the anticipation be again sort of near term from here there's more margin degradation in the near term or again confident that you can at least offset um, maybe keep it flattish or even grow from here near term yeah why don't don't i ian why don't why don't why don't i make an observation i mean i think I think what Ian has been rightly signaling is is that you know what what we're seeing is a is a slowdown in a sense volumetrically in terms of the gross margin you know percentages that you know we're we're realizing on projects you know that that's continuing to be to be strong um, but um, but I think if you then look at uh, if you then look at you know the operating costs the actions we took. Uh, early on in you know at the end of March you know to try and and you know right size you know and build some flexibility into our cost base in order to ensure that uh, you know we we had flexibility around varying levels of um, you know of business you know that helped now you know as you do that you're always running a bit behind but you know I think we've generally tried to you know to get to a, a good point on that but clearly the operating cost base is always a bit more fixed than you know than the gross margin delivery so you know you can't okay. end up with a with a bit of leakage that way okay um, maybe uh, onto the resources um, the actions to relaunch the cost structure is this really just come down to people and I'm just curious if there's any significant costs um, that, you're, that you might incur to, to bring down yeah. The, yeah. the right size. Yeah. I, th- I think primarily it's, 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 uh, it's people, but it's also, it's geography and business lines. I mean, we're looking at, at all the separate geographies that we've got business in, and we're looking at discrete businesses within the overall business because it's, you know, there's mining businesses, there's, uh, the, there's oil and gas businesses, there's engineering businesses, there's, you know, there's operation uh, maintenance, support, sustaining capital. So we're looking across the whole business, and, and we're looking at um, what is the backlog on hand. You know, what what is the ability to win good work in this environment, um, and where we don't see that uh, coming back at all, um, we will take you know very decisive action. Uh, where we see there's an imbalance between the amount of revenue and uh, and the and the cost, we will take action um, and the, the intent is obviously to, to get this business into a, a at least a break-even position as soon as we possibly can um, 
mm-hmm. outside of the LSTK, and and the LSTK is 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 all about running those off, uh, managing the risks, um, and uh, mm-hmm. and and fulfilling our obligations to the customers. Okay, uh, and then maybe just on the the resource service business, yeah, I appreciate it. It, it could be a good business, um, and again, I understand that you're still bidding work. Um, you know, I guess maybe the naive question would be why. Um, you know, if it's such, you know, um, at this point and, you know, with the ultimate objective, like if you're still bidding work and if you right size it, presumably it would be fairly small. Would the ultimate objective be to eventually divest it or, you know, potentially if you do right size it, keep it? Well, I, I think the, all of that, I mean, and, and I know that's not a helpful answer, but, but the, the overriding objective is to have a, a business which operates at a complementary performance level to the rest of our business, which, which mm-hmm. from a you know profitability and a cash flow perspective, that that's the objective. If we can't mm-hmm. get there, if we can't get there, it doesn't belong in, in, as part of our future, and and that's that's how we're looking at it. Okay, um, then maybe just one last question, Jeff. You made some comments. I think in response to Max's question, just around working capital, I, I, I missed it. I wasn't sure if you were given sort of color on what the working capital inflow looks like in the next couple of quarters. I just sort of missed what you said. And, um, maybe just so you could repeat it. Uh, it yeah. Yeah, happy to. Um, I, we, the comments that we made was um, when you look at operating cash flow, that we said the the projects part of the business would be a cash drain through 2020 at an operating cash flow level, although over the life of the projects, you know, would be would be neutral to positive. But we did see a cash drain here in in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. We had originally said back at the end of February that um, you know for the overall company we saw that being weighted to the back end of the year, um, you know, with a use of cash in the first half of the year. Um, you know, so so I think our observation is the the initiatives and the actions we took in Q1 have you know have have you know been been positive overall. Um, I think my additional color to that though is it's it's hard to you know, it's hard to predict in the current environment as we're still you know seeing what level of business you know we're we're receiving and how COVID is impacting that. And while a number of while a lot of the working capital improvement was, or the operating cash flow improvement was related to, you know, working capital and and you know non-working capital elements on the balance sheet, some of which we'll retain, some of it is also timing, and you know we'll naturally expect to reverse over the next quarter or two. Negative for the year, or is it because you're already? I think it was negative one one hundred fifty million in Q1. So I just, I'm not sure it's negative for the year or sort of negative for the remainder of the year. Sorry just for projects because it was projects. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. yeah, I don't. In a sense, I don't think our view has changed. You know, we had yeah. indicated that we that we would be negative over the year for projects. So um, I don't right. expect you know, that to change. Right. Okay. Thank you. I'll get back to you. Thanks, guys. This concludes time allocated for the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Denny Jasmine for any closing remarks. Thank you very much, everyone, for uh, joining us today. Uh, I know there's some of it that was still in the queue, but we actually have to move to our virtual AGM uh, right away. 
Uh, but I'm still open, you know, I'm always available to answer any questions. So don't hesitate to call me if you have any further questions. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a good day and stay safe. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park